When you open your bulletin this morning, you may have noticed something that was a little different if you did open your bulletin. If, you're not, if you didn't open it yet, you may want to because there is money in your bulletin this morning. Every bulletin in here, there's money. And you may be wondering, okay, why is there money in my bulletin? Are they paying me to come to Freedom's Church now? I mean, that would certainly be a compelling reason to come, wouldn't it? Some of you may be thinking, wow, I wish I got a bulletin this morning. Should have grabbed one on the way by. And in first service, I heard one of the yesterday say, okay, we need to make sure people just get one bulletin today. But there is money in there. And there are some churches out there that do give prizes periodically, including cars, for those who attend church. It's an incentive to come, especially on big holidays like Easter. Now, don't expect that to be happening here at Freedon's. But we will get a little bit later uh, this morning to the reason why there is money in your bulletin. But for now, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. We are in a series right now called Be Christmas. And the series focuses on four themes. Worship fully, spend less, give more, and love all. And the idea of the series is that we do not merely want to do Christmas in terms of just focusing on the traditions and the activities that can fill our schedules while missing the main point of Christmas. Instead, we want to focus on being Christmas, where the process, the work that Jesus began 2,000 years ago, continues in and through us today. And speaking of today, today we are looking at the topics of spending less and giving more and how these can help us to be Christmas to those around us. So let's pray, and then we'll dig into this passage. Our Father, we thank you that you so loved us that you did send Christ. And we come to this topic of Christmas, and we recognize that there are so many activities and traditions that surround Christmas, many of which are genuinely very nice and good. But Lord, in this time that we have together now, please help us to focus on the real reasons for Christmas and what you want to do in and through us during the season and beyond. Please, Lord, teach us through Scripture, teach us through your Holy Spirit, and the words that I say that align with your truth, teach us through those as well, Lord. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. So I invite you to follow along in your Bibles as I read Matthew 6, picking up in verse 19. And this takes place uh, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. So these are the words of Jesus. And Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now jump ahead to verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now as I look at this passage, I, I see the main point being this idea that your heart will follow your treasure. Your heart will follow your treasure. That's what Jesus says. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Last week, we looked at the topic of worshiping Christ fully. And we talked about how everyone worships. Even people who don't consider themselves to be religious, everyone still worships. The only question is, what do we worship? And when we come to this topic of worship, we recognize it's important to worship God. But some of God's biggest competitors in this topic of worship come in the form of money and the things that money can buy. That's why Jesus said you cannot worship both God and money because he knows that if our hearts are devoted to money and the things that money can buy, our hearts will inevitably be pulled away from God. 
And one of the things that we look at in this passage as well is this idea that there is a huge difference in the quality of treasures that we can seek in our lives. Now, we may not worry quite as much about, um, you know, moths and, and rats and, and thieves breaking in and stealing our earthly treasures, but, but it's clear that earthly treasures are very fleeting. Their benefits don't last all that long, typically. They are fragile. They're vulnerable. The benefits typically don't last all that long, like I said. And Jesus compares that with heavenly treasure that is secure, that is lasting, that the benefits are ongoing. And I want to apply this now to Christmas. And we're talking about uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a big difference in the types of treasures that our hearts can seek. Let me apply this to Christmas via a mathematical equation. The mathematical equation is this. Christmas plus consumerism equals confusion. Christmas plus consumerism equals confusion. Consumerism is this idea of that we need to pursue more and more earthly stuff. And this is what our culture trains us to do. It trains us that we need to buy a bunch of stuff, and then when that stuff wears out, when it becomes obsolete, when it breaks, when there's fancy new stuff out there that draws our attention, we need to buy more and more of that new stuff. That is consumerism. As we look at Christmas, Christmas is certainly the most consumeristic holiday of the entire year. But when you mix consumerism with Christmas, you oftentimes get confusion about, you know, what's the real focus of Christmas? Is the real focus of Christmas Christ? Or is it all this stuff that we can buy with money? Which one is it? It creates confusion in people's minds. And like I said, contemporary Christmas celebrations are, are quite consumeristic. They're very focused on money and the things that money can buy. Let me ask you a quiz question. I won't actually test you on this. You don't have to actually give an answer out loud. But, but consider this question in your mind. How much money do you think Americans spend per year purchasing real Christmas trees? So real Christmas trees, how, many, how much money do you think people spend per year in America? About $1 billion. A lot of money isn't it, on real Christmas trees. That doesn't even include the artificial trees. One billion dollars per year just for real Christmas trees. Americans also spend two billion dollars a year on traditional Christmas cards. I mean, that doesn't even include the photo cards or the postage to mail them. Just two billion dollars a year just for Christmas cards. And again, photo cards in many ways are taking over, but still two billion dollars a year just for that. Supposedly the average American this year we'll spend about $850 purchasing gifts. $850 on gifts. And if you add up all the types of purchases related to Christmas in America, Americans this year are projected to spend about $650 billion on gifts and other Christmas-related purchases. I mean, it's just mind-blowing, isn't it? I don't think there's a way for us to really get our minds around the, the idea of $650 billion. Christmas is unparalleled in how much focus there is on money and the things that money can buy. But this creates confusion in people's minds uh, where it asks the question, is Christmas about Jesus? Or is Christmas about the money and the stuff that money can buy? Remember, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if we had the ability to look into people's hearts to see, okay, what are people really treasuring down in their heart? I think that we would see a lot of confusion 
in people's hearts in terms of what they're really treasuring this Christmas season. Or maybe we wouldn't see that much confusion because such a, a large percent of our, of our culture is really given up on any sort of authentic desire to worship Jesus at Christmas. But it creates confusion about what is Christmas really all about. And it begs the question of, in our, in our lives, in our families' lives, how can we help people make sure that Jesus is the center, that Jesus is the one that we are really treasuring? And on top of that, how can we be Christmas to the broader world? How can we be Jesus' hands and feet to the people around us in the midst of a society that's focused on so much that money can buy this Christmas season? I want to give us two main strategies for this. If you've seen the the title of this message, you probably already can figure out what those are. But the first strategy is to spend less. To spend less. And I know that this is probably bound to be controversial, in part because you might see, okay, this is probably going in the direction of spending less on gifts, for one. And so there might be children in the room thinking, okay, I don't want to hear this. I hope that my parents forget this on the drive home. I hope they choose not to apply this today. But it's bound to be controversial because the giving and the receiving of gifts for many is the pinnacle of their celebration of Christmas. But I want to ask us to at least consider the idea of spending less, not only on gifts, but also on other Christmas-related purchases. And maybe it's already too late this year. Maybe we're at December 11th. Maybe you have shopped early, you've prepared early, and you think, okay, you know what? This year's already blown. You know what, but at least consider this perhaps for future years, even in terms of an ongoing lifestyle uh, change in order to prioritize Christ more in part by spending less. And that's one of the reasons to spend less, to spend less in order to refocus on Jesus. I mean, think, what type of message are we sending to ourselves and others around us if we are spending extravagant amounts of money on gifts at Christmas time? I mean, do the gifts that we give, especially if we're giving very extravagantly, are those really serving to draw people closer to Christ? Do the gifts that we give help people grow in character? Do the gifts that we give equip people for ministry? 1 Timothy 6, uh, 6 says that godliness with contentment is great gain. So, so do the gifts that we give help people grow in contentment? I mean, what are we communicating? What values are we communicating to our children and grandchildren by the way that we give gifts? What values are we internalizing ourselves as we shop and give gifts, as we devote time, energy, money to that process? Now, I want to be careful and clarifying. I'm not saying that gift giving is bad. I'm not saying it's sinful. I mean, in fact, many forms of gift giving are good things. It's a way to communicate love and care for people. It's a way to help people out. I mean, so, so gift-giving is not inherently bad by any means, but I am calling us to not go into it blindly, but instead to, to analyze and consider, are there unintended consequences with the way that I or my family are celebrating Christmas? Am I unintentionally creating confusion in people's minds about where the focus really is? Jesus or consumerism. And so that's all I'm saying. It's, it's not inherently bad, but it will lead to hard conversations if we do choose to spend less at Christmas in a way that is noticeable. But in addition to hard conversations come the possibility of teachable 
moments. I think, for instance, of Luke chapter 12. There's a passage there where a man, let me just read it for us, Luke 12, picking up in verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, tell my brothers to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then Jesus said to them, Watch out. Be in your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And so you see this man, he comes up to Jesus and, and wants Jesus to settle a dispute. Jesus doesn't settle a dispute. <clears throat> Instead, he sees this as a teachable moment. And it's a teachable moment to show, you know what, watch yourself. Watch out for greed. Recognize, you know what, your life doesn't consist of the abundance of possessions. More stuff and more money will not necessarily make you happier. Because that is not where happiness comes from. And so Jesus takes a tense situation and creates a teachable moment out of it. And that's what can happen for us as well. That if we choose to spend less, especially on gifts, it can create teachable moments where we can have quality conversations and and maybe change the practices of our family life in a way that helps us to refocus on Christ. Now, one of the other interesting things is a look at the idea of gifts and think about earthly treasures is, you know, earthly treasures, they are fleeting. The benefits frequently are ongoing, and that's frequently the way it is with the gifts that we give at Christmas as well. Where, you know what, they're really, really cool to open and exciting, and you play with them for a little while, or you use that thing for a little while, but then frequently it gets set aside after not all that long. And that's the way it frequently is. The, the, The pleasure, the benefit from it, is fleeting. And so it should cause us to be a little bit more strategic, perhaps, in what we give as gifts. Because again, giving gifts is not bad at all. But it is important that we reflect and are strategic on what we are doing. I mean, I've heard of some people who are very deliberate in the types of gifts that they give. For instance, some families will give their children four gifts apiece. And the gifts are strategic. Something they want, something they need, something to wear, and something to read. It's kind of catchy. But I think, you know what, that's nice. It, it's balanced. It's realistic. It gives them something they want, so something they can definitely enjoy, something they need. I mean, something to wear. Kids don't usually like that, but still it's helpful to wear clothes. And, and something to read, educational. I mean, I think it, it's, it's wise to be deliberate in what we are doing with our gift giving. However we choose to be strategic in that, but still to think about what are we doing here? What's it communicating? And sometimes simple gifts are just as good as really extravagant, expensive ones. I think of my family's Christmas last year. I mean, my children got a variety of gifts. We even had gifts under our tree from other people that weren't even directly from us. And they enjoyed a lot of those things. But a couple of their favorite gifts that they got last year were gum and gluten-free animal crackers. And they loved those animal crackers. I mean, they, they counted them to make sure they each had the same. They, they were looking at all the different shapes and making noises with them. And, I mean, they enjoyed eating them. I mean, those things didn't cost more than just a few dollars. It shows you don't have to spend a lot of money to give a Christmas gift that is truly valued. But, again, I want to make sure that we are not legalistic about this idea of spending less. Because legalism of feeling an obligation to do it and to, to be really strict about it, that's not going to help anyone. It's not going to really build any healthy bridges um, and, and draw people closer to Christ if we become like the Grinch. 
And on top of that, we should not become judgmental in terms of evaluating, oh, how's so-and-so over there um, doing their Christmas shopping? How much are they spending? You know what? They should really be spending less. They should really listen to Pastor Brandon's sermon and not spend so much money on that. No, none of those attitudes are going to help at all. So don't get into that type of thing. But it is wise to consider, you know what? Am I honoring God? Am I helping my family grow closer to Christ with how I utilize money and the things money can buy at Christmas? Because, again, life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. So one of the reasons to spend less is to help us to refocus on Jesus to make him a priority rather than the things that money can buy. A second reason to spend less is simply to free up resources. Because we all have a limited amount of money. I mean, some people have more than others, but everyone is limited in how much money they have. And if you spend less on things you may have otherwise purchased, it frees up money for other, perhaps better, uses. You may be wondering, okay, what would be better? Well, let's move on to the second main point. We, have, we can spend less. Another strategy to be Christmas to those around us is to give more. Give more. One thing we can give more of is give our money for, with strategic generosity. Give our money with strategic generosity. You know, most Christians, they live a lifestyle that doesn't really leave much in terms of financial leftovers, especially to give to others or to give to God's work. Unfortunately, people are relatively minimal frequently, into what they give to others and to God's work. But listen to Paul's words, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you ever want to know, okay, what does the Bible have to say about uh, financial stewardship and, and giving financially, a great place to start is out of 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Let me read just a few verses, picking up in chapter 9, verse 6. Paul says, remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should decide, or each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And so we see this, this call to give generously with a cheerful heart. Back in the Old Testament, there's this idea of the tithe, giving 10% of what you have to God's work. In the New Testament, uh, we are called to give generously and with a cheerful heart. There isn't necessarily a percentage tied to that. But you may still wonder, okay, how much should we give? I, I came across something from C.S. Lewis. He was a uh, Christian author back in the mid-1900s. Um, I really value a lot of his writing. Let me read to you one of the things that he wrote. He said, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those who have the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. That's, it's not the most comfortable thing to hear, but I think it is quite biblical because you see even in Second Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, you see people giving more than they are able to give. 
which sounds kind of like a contradiction, but I think it's in line with what C.S. Lewis is saying. That, that it means there are some luxuries they may not be able to afford, they may have to wait for, because they are giving generously and strategically to other things that store up treasures in heaven, not just on earth. So, so we have the question of, you know, what are some strategic ways to give if we do want to give more of our finances? Well, one strategic way to give is to God's work through the church. And some people get kind of skeptical or a little bit uncomfortable, especially when they hear a pastor talking about giving more to a church. But I think it's important to recognize that here at Freedens, our budget, the way we spend our money, is essentially an open book where it's available to anyone. In fact, a couple different times during the year, we distribute a detailed version of our budget to the church family. So if you want to, you can see exactly how much we're spending on uh, office supplies. You can see how much we're spending down in the nursery. You can see how much money each of our staff and pastors are being paid. And one of the things to recognize is that if more money comes into the church, it does not mean that Pastor David or myself are going to have an instant salary increase. (laughs) I mean, some people think that's the way it works. Oh, hey, if a lot more money comes in, Pastor Brandon's going to get a new car. I don't think they necessarily think that about me, but there are, unfortunately, certain excesses in in some churches or ministries that that do leave a bad taste in people's mouth. But we want to be very transparent here. And it's not like, okay, if we have an increase in giving, that then we're going to become frivolous and start spending our money on things that, you know, are kind of wasteful. No. Here at Freedens, if we have an increase in the amount that comes in over and above what we need to meet our budget, that will go to things that help accomplish our mission and vision, help us become more effective in making disciples, help us become more fruitful in reaching out into the community with Christ-centered love and making disciples and, and even reaching out around the world with the gospel. That's where more money would go. So it's a strategic way to give more if you choose to give more, is give it to the church and to God's work there, store up treasures in heaven in that way. Another strategic way is to give to those who are in need, both locally and globally. Let me just make this practical for us, thinking in terms of Christmas gifts. I know that many parents or grandparents give multiple gifts to their children, and sometimes they have a, a, a price range that they're looking in for total expenditure. Imagine that you are looking at this $25 gift. I mean, it's on top of a handful of other gifts that you're already giving. And for $25, you could give this cool Star Wars Lego set. You could also give this Barbie uh, with a number of plastic accessories, which some people might kind of like. Or for that same $25, you could do other things. For instance, through the ministry World Vision, you could supply two chickens to a family in need overseas. And these chickens, as they grow up, would be able to provide eggs on a regular basis for that family. Or through World Vision as well, $25 could supply uh, microfinancing to help someone who's in poverty begin a business to support their family. Or, out at the Welcome Center, there are two jars. If you were to put $25 in either one of those jars, that would supply 100 meals for children in Guatemala. I mean, you look at it that way. Okay, now you get one more Barbie for this girl who already has 18 Barbies and doesn't even play with most of them anymore and has plenty of other toys on top of that. Or I could supply 100 meals for children in Guatemala. It's something to weigh. 
about, okay, what are our priorities? How are we using our money strategically? Or we have the food pantry uh, cart out in Fellowship Hall. If you spend strategically, $25 could go a long way in purchasing food that could go to our poor Washington food pantry and be a huge blessing to people right in our community. And so these are just some practical ways to think through how, you know, spending a little bit less on Christmas-related products could be a huge blessing to others who are in need. Something to think about. Or let's expand this a little bit. I was thinking, okay, it's pretty well known that there are a lot of people in the world who don't have access to clean water or don't have adequate sanitation. So I studied, okay, how much would it cost to give clean water to everyone in the world and adequate sanitation to keep people healthy? And there are all kinds of figures out there. So I thought, okay, the World Health Organization, that should be a pretty reputable source. So I went to the World Health Organization, and they have a paper out on this. And they said, okay, if you want to supply clean water and healthy sanitation for everyone in the world, that would cost about $25 billion a year. That sounds like a whole lot of money, doesn't it? $25 billion a year. It is a lot of money. But that is just a drop in the bucket compared to the $650 billion per year that Americans spend on Christmas-related purchases. $650 billion, $25 billion for clean water. Priorities. I, this is something that we need to chew on as Americans and as followers of Christ. Of how are we representing Christ in terms of financial stewardship, in terms of just how we're living our lives? I, I, when I think about spending less and giving more, an example that comes to mind is Alice Ravenhorst. Alice, many of you knew her. She passed away a little bit over a year ago. She sat right up here in, in a wheelchair. I remember I'd been at Freedom's just a few months, and uh, Alice pretty much recruited me to go with her, even though she didn't have a car, so I supplied the car, um, to go with her to visit homebound people throughout Ozaki County. So for quite a while, every Thursday afternoon, we'd just be going around Ozaki County visiting the homebound people associated with Freedom's Church. And it gave a lot of time for conversation. We'd eat meals together. Uh, it, it was a special time, really, as I look back on it. But I remember one of those times, I, I mean, I was still just getting to know Alice. Um, and, and I was driving her back home. She'd willingly given up her driver's license a few years before. And she was just offhandedly just saying, you know what, uh, I just like to be able to give more to the church. And I, I didn't know how much she gave. Um, but she was saying, I'd like to give more to the church. And I mean, she, again, just kind of the side comment, she was just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, how can I spend less on food so I can give more to God's work. And if you know Alice, you know that she was very frugal and strategic in how she spent her money. And she did not spend a whole lot of money on food. But she was still thinking, how can I spend less on food for myself so I can give more to God's work, not just through the church, to missionaries. She supported all kinds of different things. Spend less to give more. I think that's a very helpful principle to keep in mind. But in terms of giving more, it's not just on the finances. It's also valuable to think about how can we give more of ourselves in terms of our time, our talents, just our presence in people's lives to truly bless others. I mean, Jesus is our, is our example in this. When, when it came to the need to redeem us, Jesus did not just send money down here. He didn't just send a set of instructions of, hey, this is what you need to do to earn favor in God's sight. No. I mean, he came down himself in his presence. That's what the incarnation is. God becoming flesh. 
He dwelt among us for roughly 33 years. He came and was the very presence of God in our midst in this world. He gave fully of himself. And that is to be a model for us, incarnational ministry, being in the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us. So it, asks, it begs the question of how can we give these incarnational gifts to those around us? How can we give the gift of ourselves to others this Christmas season and beyond? I mean, there are a variety of different ways. I think of the idea of presence and how just simply our caring presence in people's lives can be a huge blessing. It's pretty well known that Christmas is the time of year when depression is frequently at the highest. And we look around and people celebrating, but there are many who are struggling. And what would be the biggest blessing for these people? I know there are even those within the church family who struggle with this. Is just to be a loving, caring presence. To ask, you know what, how are you doing? And, and to really mean it, to sit down with them, to just be a listening ear, to be someone who can give them a hug, someone who can pray for them, someone who can walk with them through their challenges. We're oftentimes stingy with our time and our talents and our presence, but to give more would be such a huge blessing to those around us. As we give gifts, maybe think about gifts that can help us engage relationally with the people around us. I mean, I think about how when I give, like, Micaiah, give him a baseball bat and a ball. What a blessing that is because it helps us to spend time together. And we're giving of ourselves, not just giving a gift that he would play with by himself somewhere. In terms of incarnational gifts or, or gifts of ourselves, I think one of the most powerful gifts that we could give would be a handwritten note to someone expressing our affirmation of them and how special they are. I think that for a majority of people, especially people who are older than, say, teenage years, that would be the most precious gift that could possibly give, be given. A gift that would trump anything you could possibly buy in a store. And even for little kids, they may not appreciate it that much of the time, but how cool would that be to start a tradition? And when kids are young and don't really appreciate it yet, that, that you write a note to them just expressing how much you love them, expressing your affirmation for them, and just continue that through the years. How much would that encourage them as they grow up? But that is giving more of ourselves. Because we have to lay more of ourselves in the line. We have to give more thought to it. We have to uh, perhaps spend more time on it than we would just going to Amazon and clicking something and having it delivered to our house a few days later. But it's giving of ourselves to bless others. I want to come back now to this topic of the money in the bulletin. In your bulletin, if you didn't get a bulletin on your way and you can grab one on the way out, I know there are still some. <laughs> but there's, there's money paper clipped to your bulletin insert. Specifically, we all have $2. And <clears throat> this money is a gift from Freedman's Church to you. But it's not to remain just for your own benefit. It's not just to go in your wallet and stay there indefinitely until you choose to spend it on whatever. Now you have a responsibility of stewardship because what we are asking you to do is take this money and use it to bless someone else in the next couple weeks. I mean, even the next week leading up to Christmas. Um, use it to bless someone else. Now I recognize $2 won't buy a whole lot in today's world. So you could consider it as seed money. It's just kind of the, the seed to get things started where you could add your own money to it as well to bless other people. But there are so many different ways that you could use this. I mean, I think, for instance, of you could use this 
to buy coffee for someone. I mean, say, especially someone, say, in your workplace. And you know they like this special type of coffee from Starbucks. You could stop in on your way to work, buy it, take it to them, and just give it to them and say, you know what, I just wanted to bless you today. Or I wanted to show the love of Christ in a practical way. You could even say, you know what, my church is doing this cool thing where we're seeking to be a blessing to others uh, between now and Christmas. And I just wanted to bless you this morning with this cup of coffee. Well, you think about how encouraging that would be. You could buy a sandwich for a person who's in need. Maybe you could pay for someone else's meal at a restaurant. I've heard of times people going through a drive through You know, there's oftentimes a line with people behind you. You could, you could ask, hey, how much is the, the, the charge for the person behind me in that other car back there? I want to pay for theirs as well. I mean, it's just one of those random acts of kindness that, that could really bless someone, encourage someone that day. I mean, maybe, maybe money's really, really tight for you. You think, you know what? I want to be faithful with these $2, but there's not a whole lot else I can add to it. Perhaps turn these into quarters. Go to Aldi. Put the quarters in shopping carts and, and pass out shopping carts to people. Go to a laundromat. Pass out the quarters there. You know, just little ways to brighten people's day. You could buy flowers for someone. You could take someone out for coffee, take them out for lunch. And I want to encourage us as we're thinking about this to think about how can we build a relationship in the midst of, of blessing people. Because random acts of kindness are really cool. But if we really want to maximize the impact in terms of influence for Christ, the best way to do that is in the context of an ongoing relationship. So that's why we, we talk about prioritizing your spheres of influence in your neighborhood, in your workplace, family, friendship groups, places you work out, stuff like that. So maybe think about how could I bless someone who I rub shoulders with on a regular basis to continue to build bridges for the gospel into their lives. Now you may be thinking, okay, I just came to church this morning. I don't, I don't really like you giving me an assignment. Maybe you're thinking that. You're thinking, I don't really want to do this. Can I just give the money back? I'll tell you, we don't want this money back. Please don't give it back. Accept it as a responsibility to do something with it to bless others. If nothing else, just give it to someone out there on the street this week. I don't care. Do something with it. But this is kind of symbolic of everything that God gives us. Because in our lives, we didn't ask God to give us um, the lives that he gave us, to give us finances and other possessions and resources. He simply entrusts them to us. We are called to be stewards of them. We will be held accountable for how we use all the things that God entrusts to us. We, we can't really get out from underneath that responsibility. And so these $2 are, are just kind of symbolic of how God expects us to steward all of the resources that he has entrusted to us. And as we do this, as we're seeking to be a small blessing to the people around us in the next couple of weeks, we will be fulfilling Frieden's vision of being a blessing to the people of our community through Christ-centered love. This is oftentimes done just through the little things that we do for those around us. Now, I think it would be kind of cool to just hear stories of what is the Frieden's family doing to bless others in these next couple of weeks. So, I would encourage you, if you'd like to, just to email me. Um, just share, you know, I mean, you can share a whole story if you have a cool story. Or just say, hey, I used it for this and this. Or I used it for that. Uh, there's my email address up there. If you somehow don't leave here with that email address, just use Frieden's general address. Free email address. It's on the back of the bulletin. It's on our website. Um, I'd love to just hear, what are you doing with this? And, and I'd love to come back next week and just say, share, you know what, here are some of the ways that the Frieden's family blessed others in this last week. I don't plan to share names, but it would be cool just to share in general just how, how did God work here in this 
um, in these last couple weeks. And as we look at all these different things, I, I think it's important to recognize that as we are seeking to spend less and to give more, we are seeking to be Christmas, meaning being the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us. And Jesus is the ultimate motivation for what we are doing in terms of seeking to bless others. I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. This is in the same um, general passage. Remember, I, I pointed these two chapters in 2 Corinthians for if you want to learn more about financial stewardship. This is in that same passage. This is the motivation that we have as Christians to spend more, or I'm sorry, spend less and give more in our lives. Points to Jesus as the ultimate model. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Now it's not talking about material blessings and and becoming rich financially. It's talking spiritually. But you look at Jesus as the model. He was rich. He was in heaven. And he willingly 2,000 years ago stepped off his heavenly throne. He took a very humble position. It says for our sakes he became poor. I mean you think about it. He was born to poor parents, Mary and Joseph. He was born as a little baby. His first bed was a feed trough for animals. A little bit later in life, uh, when King Herod started persecuting these little babies, his, he and his parents had to escape to Egypt to escape this. I mean, he was rich, but he became poor. He was the ruler, but he became subject to life in this world. And that continued throughout his life. Later on, he said, you know what? The Son of Man, speaking of himself, has no place to lay his head. Later on in life, he was humiliated. He, he, he suffered very deeply. He ended up being killed on a cross. Very humiliating death. He stepped off of the heavenly throne. He was rich. But for our sakes, he became poor. So that us, through his poverty, might become rich, spiritually speaking. And that is to be the motivation and the model for our generosity to those around us. So really, in the New Testament, the, the, the model, the standard for our generosity is so much more than just 10% like the tithe in the Old Testament. It's everything that we have belongs to God. And we are, to called, we are called to live generously. And that includes spending less, giving more, to refocus on Christ, and to make him known to those around us. So we have the question again. Is, is Christmas, is it about Jesus? Or is it about the stuff? Is it about earthly treasure? Is it about heavenly treasure? And we have the choice as we go through, um, go through our lives of which one of these are, are we going to prioritize. And I think it's kind of interesting as you look at Christmas being, uh, representing Christ's birthday many thousands of years ago. When you think about a birthday party, you know when people come to a birthday party, they typically bring gifts for the, for the person whose birth they're celebrating. The focus is on that person. And that's the way it should be at Christmas, even as we still give gifts to others. And that's still a, a legitimate good thing to do, as long as we don't lose that focus on Christ. But it's kind of interesting to think metaphorically about, okay, we have Jesus' birthday party, celebrating his birth. But many people, in the way that they celebrate, it's kind of like going to Jesus' birthday party, but everyone's just kind of huddled over here giving gifts to each other. And for the most part, just kind of ignoring the birthday boy. That'd be kind of sad, wouldn't it? I'd be... I don't think anyone would really like that. Maybe give him lip service. Anyway, the focus, give Jesus gifts at Christmas as we are also blessing others. How do we give Jesus gifts on his birthday? Well, one is by worshiping him. 
We don't worship other birthday people here on this earth, but that he is worthy of all of our worship. Another way is found in Matthew chapter 25. I mean, such an interesting passage. Let me read for you Matthew 25. Once I get there. There we go. Matthew 25, picking up in verse 34. said, Then the king, this is Jesus speaking, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did you, we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So one of the ways that we can give Jesus gifts this Christmas is by being a blessing to the people around us. Jesus says, as you do that, bless people who are in need in practical ways, you will be blessing me as well. So as we go through this Christmas season, may there not be confusion in our minds or the lives of those around us that we influence about the purpose of Christmas, because the purpose of Christmas is Christ. May we seek to intentionally be Christmas to those around us by being Jesus' hands and his feet. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to this world. We once again confess that we so easily get caught up in a lot of things that can pull our attention off of you. But Lord, help us to not just do Christmas, but to be Christmas. And as needed, to spend less so that we can give more and so that we can focus fully on you. Lord, help us to, as we are your hands and your feet, to, to represent you well, to bring glory to you, that you will be pleased with us. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.